If you have your Bibles with you, stand with me, please, and turn to Acts chapter number 9. We're not going to turn there today, but I want you to know uh, that there are two passages that we'll be pulling some scriptures from today that are parallel, uh, sort of, in this account. This is the story, by the way, of, of Saul's conversion. And uh, he gives his testimony in a few places in the Bible. Two main accounts we'll come to later will be Acts chapter 22 uh, and also Acts chapter 26, if you want to write those in your margins. But we'll, we'll not be there today. But we're going to start in Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse number 1 and reading through verse number 19. And if you found your place there this morning, look up here and say amen. 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 All right. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And when he'd received meat, he was strengthened, and then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. And Father, we're grateful for your word today. We're uh, grateful, uh, Father, for the spirit of God. And we pray, Father, that he would come down and be in our, our presence in our midst here today, that he might open our eyes, Father, if there be scales over the eyes of any here today, that they might fall. Uh, Lord, that the Holy Spirit might fall. Uh, Lord, that we might submit and surrender ourselves to you. And that, uh, Father, that you'd have your way with us today. Thank you for this, thy people, Lord. And we ask it all in the precious and in the mighty name of Jesus and all the people said amen amen, amen. you can be seated folks we've come today uh, to what we are calling the conversion of Saul the conversion of this man made, made, uh, named Saul and, and Saul first of all I want to look at uh, his connection what who was Saul and how was he connected uh, in this passage how did he come about here we we met Saul a, a little bit back here but Saul I want you to know was a Jew uh, first of all this man was a Jew the Bible tells us of the tribe of Benjamin and uh, he uh, was also though a Roman the, the Bible 
identifies him as Saul of Tarsus. He held, like many people did in that part of the world in those days, he held dual citizenship. And Tarsus uh, was, was in Sicilia, the Bible tells us, in another place. Or, I'm sorry, not Sicilia, Cilicia. And uh, it had been declared a free Roman province. And so everybody that was born into that place held Roman citizenship also. So Saul was both Jew and Roman. The Bible teaches us that he spoke uh, both Hebrew and Greek, but Saul was also a Pharisee, and I might add at that a very zealous one. Uh, He was studied in the law. The Bible tells us that he studied under a man by the name of Gamaliel. We met him back, I think it was Acts chapter 5. As as teachers go concerning the law uh, there in, in Jerusalem, Gamaliel was considered to be the top teacher there in that place. And, and I believe that Saul was probably considered the top student in the top teacher's class. So he was a very learned man um, as far as things go. But the problem with this man, Saul, was that he was an enemy of Christ. And because he was an enemy of Christ, he was also an enemy of Christians, and uh, I would even say an enemy of the cross. You might remember from uh, the end of chapter 7, I believe it was verse 58, where we first met Saul. It said that after Stephen was cast out of the, the, the city and stoned, the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Saul was there consenting to the death of Stephen. Matter of fact, it tells us that in the early uh, Verses of chapter number 8 at verse 1, Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death. And it was at that time that a great persecution rose there in the church. You skip down to verse 3 in chapter 8. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. If you recall from that passage when we studied that, that that word havoc is the same word that's used in, in the Greek to describe what a, what a wild boar does. Just absolutely, you know, they, they root and they dig and they just absolutely destroy everything that they come in contact with. And that's the word that the Bible uses to describe what Paul was doing to the church. Uh, This man, Saul, uh, by the way, Saul is Paul. If you don't know that about him, he was was born as Saul of Tarsus, likely named after Saul, who had been king in Israel. uh, But later, he would become uh, Paul, a preacher of the gospel of Christ. But before his conversion, he was wreaking havoc. The Bible says that he was entering into every house, uh, going door to door, basically inhaling or literally dragging men and women and committing them to prison. All of those Christians that were following Christ in those days, uh, there in Jerusalem and the areas that surrounded Jerusalem were absolutely terrified of this man named Saul. Now, in our passage here in in chapter number 9, the Bible begins by saying that Saul, yet breathing out threatenings, and that word breathing uh, literally means that he was almost, if you would say, he was huffing and and puffing. Saul absolutely hated the church. He hated Christ. He hated Christians. He hated all of those uh, so much that he was breathing out threatenings and, and, and slaughterings. He was going about. He had sought letters from the high priests there in Jerusalem that he might go to these synagogues and other places. The places that he was headed to that day was Damascus. And the reason that he was going is that he wanted to try to seek out and find any of those that were of the way. This is the first time we see that phrase used in the New Testament, but it it became a a name or an identification, uh, really, of Christians in that day, which directly goes back to John chapter 14. What did Jesus say? John 14 and verse 6, I am the way. I am the way. And so no doubt Christians were telling people, if you want to know the way to heaven, if you want to know the way to glory, Jesus Christ is the way. And by the way, I might remind you, the only way. And so they became, uh, be, became to be known as those that were of the way. And Paul wanted to seek out those that were of that way. He was going to the synagogues and other places and uh, that he might bind them and bring them unto Jerusalem. And you can be absolutely sure what his intent was. Uh, We saw it in the stoning of Stephen, didn't we? It was not a good outlook for those that were believers in that day when they were uh, in the presence of Saul. 
But not only do we see Saul's connection, but we also see Saul's confrontation here. Uh, Beginning in verse number three, the Bible says that as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now this city, Damascus, was north of of, uh, Jerusalem. Damascus uh, is in Syria yet today. And Damascus is, I've I've heard some people, I've read some folks that have said it's, it's believed to be one of the oldest and inhabited cities in the world that has been continually inhabited uh, in the world. And uh, what's interesting about Damascus also is it's in an area that was considered part of the Decapolis. The Decapolis we read about in the New Testament in the Gospels was a group of 10 cities that were uh, not far from one another. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ had been to some of those cities and the Gospels certainly uh, had, had gone forth. Uh, that man from the, was it the, the, the uh, Legion from the Gadarenes there? That man, that was a place that was part of Decapolis. And uh, so the Gospel was not new to that place, but Saul sought letters to go there and to seek out these Christians that he might bind them. Uh, in other words, Saul had a plan for what, where he was going to go and what he was going to do. Aren't you glad that the Lord has a different plans than we do? He has a plan far above what we, could, uh, what we could ask or think. But in his way, Paul had a confrontation. He had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he saw this great light. And a matter of fact, later in Acts, I think it's chapter 22, he points out the time of day. It was at noon when this happened. It was, it was not a time. It was, in other words, it wasn't a time of night when he might have seen uh, some little candlelight or, or some little thing that had come along the way. But it was in the dead of day in this light. Light was so bright and so powerful that it knocked Saul to the ground. And not only him, but those that were with him were all knocked to the ground. It reminds me of, of Jesus that night that he was in the garden and uh, the, the Roman soldiers came to take him that they might lead him to Pilate. And uh, they asked uh, Jesus, they, they asked uh, who Jesus was and, and Jesus said, I am. And when he said that, those men fell to the ground on their face before the Lord. Amen. I'll tell you what, uh, you're going to end up on your face before the Lord one way or the other. Whether it's that you decide to humble yourself and bow the knee before the Lord and call on him as your Lord and Savior, or if you're knocked to the ground as an unbeliever one day, every person, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And that happened there with Saul there that day. He saw this bright and shining light. And the Bible says uh, very clearly that this light came uh, from heaven. And as soon, not only did he, did he see, but he fell. And after he fell, he heard uh, this voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? First of all, he heard an indictment against him. Saul, you've, you've, been, you've been persecuting me, and, and, and Saul may, may have not have looked at it that way, but I want to tell you, if, if you are persecuting the church, you are directly persecuting Christ, amen? If you're standing against the church, those out there today that deny the existence of the Lord, those that, that don't believe in, in, in the church, they don't believe in worship, they don't believe uh, in salvation or any of those things, when you stand against the true church of Jesus Christ, you are standing against Christ, and, and Saul identifies that very clearly the problem that you have in your life Saul is not so much against these other people as it is against me and I can I tell you this morning that that's the way with any sin in our lives if if you have committed a sin if I have committed a sin any of us the sins that we commit they're not just against the people maybe that we've committed to but we've committed a sin against Christ Anything that we've done that's against his word, against his will, is an offense against a holy God. And, and dear friend, that, that, I want you to know today that that's a serious ordeal. When you've offended the God of the universe, when you've offended the creator, when you have an offense that stands between you and him, and what we know that is apart from the shed blood of Christ is that sin does what to us? It separates us from a holy God. Brother Lance taught on, on the new birth this morning from John chapter number 3. And without the atoning sacrifice of, of Christ and without being born again as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are all sinners, all have sinned, all have fallen short. None are righteous, no, not one. And because of that sin that we have in our lives, we are separated from a holy God, not just now, but for eternity. 
unless we have had our sins forgiven and cleansed in the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. This was a sin against Jesus Christ himself. There was an indictment against Saul uh, for what he had done, but there was also an indication there in the next verse. uh, Saul asked him, he says, uh, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That's an interesting statement that Jesus uses there. The, the word that, that, that uh, describes the, the pricks is an ox goad. And they were used oftentimes as, as they were farming the ground or, or you know, whatever they're using the ox for. Maybe he's pulling a cart, whatever the case is. But they would have a stick that, was, uh, that they would hold behind the ox. And uh, it, was, it was pointed on the end of the stick. Sometimes it might just be a, a, a pointed wood stick. And they might even have a, a metal tip Uh, on the end of this and it was used to prod that ox and to make it go where they wanted to go and sometimes if the ox got upset about what was going on he'd get upset and he would try to kick back real hard and that just made things worse because it just drove the stick further in than where it was before and in other words what Jesus is saying is, is, is Paul you've been trying to resist what's going on here but I'm the one that's guiding you he said later that he had chosen Paul to be his servant. The Lord was bringing circumstances in his life to draw him to himself. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the, that the Spirit of God is active, that Jesus Christ, and, and I, I, believe it's, I believe salvation is a work of, of the Trinity. I believe that all are involved in that work, and I'm glad that God has, is working actively to guide us to him. If you're here today, I want you to know you're not here this morning because you decided to get up and drive to church. All that may be the thought that came in your heart, but where did that thought come from? I believe that the Lord is, is, is guiding us and he's using uh, even yet today those goads to, 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 to draw us in the direction that he wants us to go. And I, I believe also that man has a part in that, that we have to choose to follow him. We can kick against the pricks just like, uh, just like Saul did. But I tell you, I found out that running uh, w- was harder than just falling in line and saying, yes, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And I'm grateful that God is willing to do that for us. But Saul, he, he saw this light, he, he fell to the ground, he heard this voice, and then he responds uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has two very important questions. The first one is, who are you? Who are you? Boy, is, isn't that a three short little words, but maybe three of the most important words you may ever use to form a question in all of your life? to ask yourself that question, who is Jesus? And I would, friend, I would tell you not just to ask yourself that question, but I would encourage you to ask him. He'll tell you who he is. He'll reveal himself to you. He'll let you know that he is the God of the universe. He is the creator. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is King. Uh, he's, he's my friend. He's my father. He is all of those things. And Saul was uh, truly asking that question. Now, remind you that Saul was a very, there were few people that ever walked the face of the earth that were as religious as Saul was before his conversion. Did you hear what I said? He was religious before he was converted. He was religious before he was saved. Uh, it was said during Sunday school this morning that you can be absolutely sincere about your beliefs when it comes to religion and you can be sincerely wrong. And Saul was one of those people. He was sincerely wrong about what he had believed. And Saul thought he was, the Bible says that he was, that he was a Pharisee and that he was zealous. He was zealous for the Lord. He thought that the activity that he was involved in was serving the Lord. And he even thought that it was pleasing to God. And can I encourage you today that uh, you've heard me say many times that our salvation is not about religion, it's about relationship, amen? And um, there are lots of different denominations out there. I'm not a denominationalist. I don't believe that, you know, if if you've got to be uh, Methodist or, or, or Lutheran or Baptist or any of these other things, I believe you need to be a Christian. And the only way to be a Christian is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're going to a church or you're watching online or you're reading something or you're listening something that is not coming from the word of God, you need to run from that. You need to become a first class coward and run from that as fast as you can because it will lead you astray. 
I had the opportunity to witness to a person one time and, and I shared the gospel with this person and, and during our conversation, this person said to me, they said, well, I grew up in Catholic and Methodist churches. Now, first of all, I'll tell you that, that uh, Catholic churches are full of heresy and untruths. The Methodist church did not start out that way, but it's gotten there. It's gotten there. And I'm not telling you that because I'm trying to attack somebody's faith today, but I'm just telling you what I've seen and what I've heard. And I, I, as I shared the gospel with this person, they told me that they'd grown up in Catholic and Methodist churches, and after I presented the gospel, I said, have you ever heard what I just told you about salvation? And they said, no. And I said, then don't go to those churches. Because if you didn't hear, the, this person was a parent, had several children. I said, if you didn't hear the gospel in that place, you can bet your children aren't going to hear it either. Amen? You need to be in a place where they are preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you need to believe what the Bible says. The best thing that you can ever do in your life is to make a decision to settle it in your heart now that you believe the Bible. That doesn't mean that you're always going to understand the Bible. You ask this man over here that's preached the gospel all of his life, do you understand everything the Bible says, Pastor? No. Surely not. Uh, maybe one day the Lord will give us that privilege as, as we, uh, I don't believe it will ever happen in this life that we'll have a perfect understanding or a perfect knowledge. Maybe it will in the next, I'm not sure. But I've settled my heart in this fact that I believe what the Bible says whether I understand it all or not. I'll pray for understanding and I'll seek and I'll search and I'll read and I'll study and I'll do all of those things but one thing I absolutely do not do is I don't question the word of God. When I read the word, if I come into something, sometimes there are things that you might believe to be a, a contradiction. I don't begin to question what the word says. I begin to question my understanding of it. And I ask the Lord to help reveal it to me. Saul thought he was on the right path. Uh, but the Lord... Uh, came to him and revealed that he was not and Saul began to ask that question who are you and then after he revealed himself by the way I don't know for sure but it's very possible that Saul seen Saul had seen Jesus alive on the earth I mean this is not very long after Jesus had been crucified certainly Saul knew who Jesus was he had heard of Jesus and maybe he had even seen him uh, before he was crucified but when when Jesus and began to speak to him and he identified himself as Jesus Christ and by the way one of the later passages either Acts 22 or 28 says that or 26 rather says that when Jesus spoke to Saul he spoke to him in Hebrew uh, so he knew that this whoever this person was was a Jewish man and I begin I believe that faith began to sprout up in the heart of Saul and he said Lord what would you have me to do Concerning this, David Jeremiah says, the desire to obey is a consequence of a changed heart. The desire to obey is a consequence of a changed heart. We've been talking about regeneration. We've been talking about the new birth. There are a lot of people that, that walk the earth and, 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 and they say that they're unsure about their salvation. And friend, I want you to know that God wants you to have the complete and full assurance of salvation. First John says that these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to guess. He doesn't want you to wonder. You don't have to walk around in doubt or fear or worry of any of these things. You put your faith where God put your sin on the cross of Jesus Christ and you can bet that it's paid for and finished. Amen? Amen. And uh, so Saul, after he came to this truth, he had a desire to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a, another mark. Uh, Brother Lance was talking about the birthmarks of a believer this morning, different things that identify whether you're a true born-again believer or not. And this is one of them. Do you have a desire to obey the Lord? I didn't ask you if you're perfect at doing it because none of us are. But do you have a desire to obey the Lord? Do you have a desire to do the things that he's asked us to do? When we come to an intersection in scripture where we realize that our life has been lived out in one manner, but the word of God says that it should be lived out in this manner, do you have a desire to change the way that you've been living and obey what the Lord says? If you don't, friend, you better get on your knees. Because born-again Christians have a desire to obey the Lord. Jesus gives him the answer that he is Jesus. Uh, 
And then when, when, when Paul says, what do you want me to do? Did you notice what Jesus says there? Uh, in, in verse 6, he trembling, astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Boy, isn't that the way that it is? You know what the Lord said to him? Saul, first of all, I want you to get up. I don't want you sitting around. I don't want you laying around. I don't want you inactive. I've got some things for you to do, and you need to get up and get ready to go. That's the first thing he says to him. Then after he tells him to arise, he says, I want you to begin walking, and I want you to begin going, and I'll reveal to you along the way what it is that I want you to do. In other words, Saul, I want you to live by faith and not by sight. You're going to go, and you're going to trust me that I'm going to guide you along the way. And oh, isn't that something that we all struggle with? Oftentimes, we have circumstances in our life. We have um, things that have, that have come about. We, we've, we've got life decisions to make. Maybe there's been a problem in our life, and we have a sincere desire to be obedient to the Lord. We said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Just tell me. I just, I just want to know what to do. Lord, I'm, I'm not sure what to do in this circumstance. I'm not sure how to handle this situation. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do. And the Lord says, just go. And I'll tell you when it's time. And friends, you, you can't fully understand that until you begin to practice it yourself. And just to know that he's going to guide you. If you will be obedient to him, if you'll be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you along the way. And walking by faith requires faith. We have to believe in him and trust him in order to walk by faith. But walking by faith not only requires faith, it requires walking. And some of us uh, get caught up in sitting and not going. And the Lord says, I want you to rise and go. And that's what he said to Saul. After this confrontation, we begin to see Saul's conversion. Uh, there in verse number seven, the, the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. But Saul arose from the earth, uh, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. That They were not able to, uh, to, to hear what was being said. All they heard a noise, but they didn't hear the voice of Jesus. Do you know that happens in our churches every week? That people are hearing noise as they're sitting in the pews, but their hearts are not prepared. They're not willing to submit and surrender. And because of the condition of their hardened hearts, they're hearing a noise, but they're not hearing the voice of Jesus. And that was what was happening here with these men. Saul uh, could hear the voice, but he couldn't see anything. Remember, he's got to walk by faith now and not by sight. When you begin walking with the Lord, you can't see what the Lord's going to do in your life in the days that lie ahead. Uh, some of us would, would, maybe we'd be afraid to, to, to run with our tails between our legs if we knew what the Lord was going to call us to do down the road. And I'm thankful that he knows how to tell us and when to tell us. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget be, uh, being, being a young Christian and I was asked to teach and, and some different things. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. Somebody's fallen and bumped their head if they think that I'm going to have the ability uh, to teach or do any of those things. And then... I think Sister Linda might have been the first one that said, one day you're going you're gonna to be the next pastor here. And I, and I hadn't even been called to preach yet, let alone answered it. And I'll be the first to tell you that I ran for a while. I, I did. I, I, ran, I ran for a while because I didn't believe that I was able to do those things. And guess what? I was right. I'm still not able. But he is. He is. And I bless his holy name here today. Saul was, uh, he was blind, he couldn't see what was happening, uh, but they led him by the hand and they brought him into Damascus. And I had this thought when I was reading this that Saul's journey to Damascus began in Jerusalem. That was where he left. But Saul's journey to deliverance began in obedience. His, delivery, his journey to deliverance began in obedience as he was confronted with the Son of God and with the Word of God and as he began to, to humble himself and obey 
the word of the Lord. He had no sight. He couldn't see what was going on. He was led by hand, the Bible says. Um, and, but I believe it was during that time as, as Saul laid there in that place, the Bible says that he couldn't see anything uh, for three days. He had no food, no water. Uh, he had really no interaction uh, there during the early part of that time. And, and I believe that maybe during that time when he couldn't see anything in the world, that Saul began to see more clearly than he had ever seen in his life. As his eyes began to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what that time was like? Have you had that experience in your life, friend, when, when the Holy Spirit of God came and pricked you in the heart? and your eyes all of a sudden were open and, and maybe like me you had heard about Jesus you had heard the word preached you had you had been one of those that had had heard a noise but had never heard the voice of Jesus Christ but all of a sudden one day the Holy Spirit came and pricked you in the heart and your eyes were open and you began to see him as he clearly is amen and that's what happened there uh, with Saul and during this time, the Lord had prepared people around him. He prepared this man named Ananias. And the Bible says that Ananias was a disciple. Uh, he was a, a Jewish man, and uh, he was living there in Damascus at that point in time. And the Lord, first of all, gave Saul a vision of Ananias. Ananias had this, or, or Saul had this vision that a man named Ananias was going to come to him. And he was going to lay his hands on him, and Paul was going to receive his sight that this man was going to help him. Uh, but not only did he give uh, Saul a vision of Ananias but he gave Ananias a vision of Saul the Lord came to Ananias in this vision and said Ananias I want you to go and uh, to the house of this man named Judas and and uh, I want you to seek out this man named Saul of, of Tarsus and and of course of all like like we often do sometimes Ananias first response was oh Lord not me do you know who you're asking me to go see this is this man named Saul. I've heard of him from many people of what he's been doing to the Christians in Jerusalem. And not only has he been wreaking havoc and, and destroying Christians and churches and all these things in Jerusalem, but now he's got a letter from the high priest to come here and do the same thing in this place. You want me to go to this place and talk to this man? Sometimes the Lord gives us a, an assignment that's a little bit scary, isn't it? Sometimes he gives us an, an assignment that seems to be difficult and, and we try, the problem is, we try to use human reasoning. We try to reason in our own minds the way it's going to go. And brothers and sisters, it's the reason that a lot of us don't, aren't always obedient to the Lord. The Lord says, I want you to go to this place and I want you to talk to that person. And we say, oh Lord, I can't talk to that person. That person remembers what I was like in my past. They'll never believe a word from me. The Lord says, well, I want you to walk across the street, and I want you to witness to your neighbor. And, oh, Lord, they're, they're not going to believe me anyway. There's no use in me going over there. The Lord says, I want you to, to talk to this family member that you have. And, Lord, I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't know enough about the Bible to share it with somebody. Well, first of all, if you don't know the Bible, I'm going to tell you before the Lord today, it's your own fault because you have a Bible. Do you have a Bible? Do you have your Bibles with you this morning? Hold them up. Let me see them here today. We did chapel at the school here last year, and, and, and they come to chapel service, and I opened the Bible, and I said, turn to such and such, and I looked out, and I noticed that few of the kids had their Bibles. And I said, stop right now and go get your Bibles. You have the privilege of having the Word of God in your hand. Do not forsake that privilege. Not only do you have the Word of God, the power of God is found in this book because it reveals the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? And dear friends, if you don't know this book, it's because you're not spending time to get to know it. You have a Father in heaven that loves you, and he has revealed not only his person, but he's revealed his plan for us. And if you will just take the time to open this book. I was with a, a, a young person this week that I got a chance to, to, to sit with, and, and he was telling me, he said, Aaron, he said, I've been reading my Bible every day and it's absolutely changing me. I said, praise the Lord. Of course it will. I, I tell people that oftentimes. I see somebody sitting reading the Bible. I walk by and I say, be careful. That book will change your life. It did mine. Praise God, it still is. Amen? It still is. And, and so Saul uh, was, was 
had this man named Ananias that God puts faithful people in our lives. And if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ today, you can probably look back right now, and that person probably comes to your mind. God put this person in my life. There may be multiple people. I had multiple people that God had put in my life that shared the gospel, that led me in the, in the right way and were telling me about Jesus Christ. And for Paul, it was this man named Ananias. And uh, the Bible says that Ananias, the, 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 words, Lord, uh, the Lord's word to him was to arise and go. Just like it was in the last passage that we read uh, when the Lord told Philip, I want you to rise and go. And then the next verse says, he rose and went. And now Ananias wasn't quite that quick. He rose. The Bible says, arise and go. And he complained a little bit to the Lord. And then he finally got up and went after the Lord confirmed to him what his plan was. But the Lord told Ananias, and I believe it was just for confirmation to him, I want you to rise and go to Saul of Tarsus because behold, he prayeth. He prayeth. Jesus said, this Saul, this man that's been so hardened, this man that's been so evil and so wicked that has been persecuting the church, the persecutor has now become the prayer. And he's in, I've got him in a place, and no doubt the Lord brought those circumstances in his life. I've got him in a place where he is on his back, and he's finally beginning to look up. And if you've been in a difficult circumstance in your life, praise God that he's in control. Amen. And sometimes he allows us into some difficult times so that he can get our attention. And I'm, I'm not saying that the Lord causes evil things to happen, uh, uh, you know, but, but I'm, I'm, what I am telling you is that the Lord has either caused it or he's allowed it for a reason. And those reasons are so that he can change us. So that he can change us. And, and so he is praying. And by the way, prayer would, would mark the life of Saul. Saul's faith began with prayer. And we see it ending in prayer there at the end of his life as he's writing to Timothy. And he says, I've, I've run my race and I'm praying for those that the Lord would not lay it to their charge, the things that they have done against the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul would become a prayer everywhere that he went. Everything that he did was encompassed and surrounded by prayer but in his conversion first of all we see that Saul is added to the family Ananias when he met him there that day uh, the Bible says in verse 17 Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him he said brother Saul this man that, that he was so fearful of has now become part of the family. And he, and he lets him know that he's part of the family. And listen to me, if, if you're a born-again believer in Christ, I want you to know that you're part of his family. You're, you're part of his family. We have, a, uh, we have a father in heaven, and all the rest of us that are, that are born again are his children. That makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Can't you see the family resemblance in us? The fruits of the Spirit, the birthmarks of the believer, the things that we talked about in Sunday school this morning. Uh, Saul became part of the family, and I believe that Saul began to be part of the faith. As the Bible says that the Lord had appeared unto him, and Saul realized it was Jesus Christ uh, that had come to him and the work that he was doing. And, and so Saul passed from darkness unto light and from death unto life. Isaiah prophesied this in chapter number 9 and verse 2. He said, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And so the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, through the work of regeneration, he converted Saul. By the way, it was at that point that Saul became Paul. Uh, and he was chosen, first of all, the Bible tells us that he was chosen to serve. Jesus says he's a chosen vessel, this is verse 15, unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. One of the later passages in Acts says that he's chosen him to be a minister of the gospel, that Paul was chosen to preach the word of God. But he was not only chosen to suffer or to serve, but he was also chosen to suffer. Verse 16, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I want you to be clear today that when we share the gospel, this is not a prosperity believing or teaching church. I'm not going to promise you that your life will be perfect after you put your trust in Christ. I'm not going to 
promise you that you're not gonna have struggles, that you're not gonna have trials, you're not gonna have temptations, you're not gonna have troubles. You know why I won't promise you that? Because Jesus didn't promise us that. Jesus promised us a home in heaven and a cross to die on. And he said to his disciples before he left, you will have tribulation. You will. It's going to happen. And if you've been a Christian longer than 15 seconds, you already know that. I'm preaching to the choir here today. You're gonna have troubles in this life. You're gonna have troubles with your physical body. There's trouble sometimes in the spiritual body. Even in the church sometimes we have struggles. You're gonna have struggles in your, in your emotional life. Just people struggle with anxiety and depression and anger and all sorts of things. You're gonna struggle with these things. I'm here to tell you, you'll have struggles with your relational life. I, I have people in my own family, they talked in Sunday school this morning about people being convicted by your relationship with Christ. Not because you've looked down your nose at them, not because you've, you've condemned them or any other thing, but because they know you're born again and they're not. They're convicted and, and there'll be times that your own family won't even talk to you or have anything to do with you for no other reason than you believe and love Jesus Christ. He's not promised us a life without tribulation, but what he has promised us is that he has overcome the world. And one day, we're gonna be set free from those struggles. We're gonna be set free from the suffering we're going to be set free from sorrow and, and all the difficulties that we have to endure in this life as good soldiers of Christ. And after his commission, then we see Paul's commitment, verse 19 and 20. At, when he had received meat, he is strengthened. And then Saul was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Saul began to, to reach out to those other believers around them. He was a brand new, born again, baby Christian. And he knew that he needed to be surrounded by some other believers. That would have, and by the way, aren't you grateful uh, that God gives us other disciples to walk with and to learn with and to lean on one another and to, and to love each other and to help us along this way? You know, one of the reasons I, I've, somebody was, said to me that uh, a lot of folks have gotten used to watching uh, watching church online, watching on TV and different things. And, and we put our services online. There might be somebody listening to us right now, and I'm, I'm thankful that they're able to do that. But don't you ever get that out of joint, that, that we're not commanded uh, not to forsake the watching or not to forsake the listening. We're commanded not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Because the church was made to be together. God gave us to one another, not only to serve, but to help one another along. And we all need each other. And so Saul was reaching, but then also in verse 20, we see Paul began preaching. In a straight way, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And all uh, how the church of God must have been set upside down when they began to hear that Saul was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. In closing this morning, Christian, I want you to know I want to remind you that there is no Apostle Paul, first of all, without the prayer of Stephen. You remember Saul was there consenting to the death of Stephen, and you remember what Stephen prayed? Lord, lay not this to their charge. The prayer of Stephen, and also we see in this passage the care of Ananias, that a Christian if you're already a believer in Jesus Christ, you've already been converted. If you've truly trusted in Christ and you're trusting in him alone, you've already been converted. How does this passage apply to you? You need to be a, a caring Christian that will help somebody who's not. And that when the Lord speaks to your heart and says, arise and go, that you can say immediately, I arose and went. And when Christians get up and go, then the Lord does his part, amen? And so Saul was, was saved. And to those that might be here today that might be unbelievers, if you're here today and you're not a born-again Christian, then I want you to know that there's no Apostle Paul without the conversion of Paul. You've got to be converted. You've got to be regenerated. You have to be born again. And Saul not only received a new name, but he became a new creation. Amen? 
this Saul who had been the attacker now became Saul the apostle. Saul, who had been the persecutor, was now Paul, the preacher. Saul, who was by nature a child of hell, was now Paul, a son of heaven. Amen? Because of his conversion and his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, Saul was absolutely changed. And in Saul, it wasn't what had changed in his life, but it was who had changed. And I'm not talking about Saul. I'm talking about Christ. that the windows, the door of Saul's heart was opened and that Jesus Christ, he allowed the light of the gospel to enter into his heart. And because of that choice, because of that decision, he was enlightened to the glorious gospel of Christ. He began to understand who Jesus was. This is none other than the Son of God. This is the creator of the heaven and the earth. This is the righteous judge, but yet the merciful Savior. Saul was absolutely changed and, and uh, he became Paul and, and, and Paul lived this extraordinary life. We're going to learn much about Paul. Most of the rest of this book is about Paul. Uh, the rest of this chapter, rather, is about Paul. And we're going to learn about that. And he lived an extraordinary life. But you know the most extraordinary thing that ever happened to Paul in his life? was He met the risen Savior. He met a risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and decided to trust in Him. What about you, friend? As I look around here, there are no faces in this room that I've not seen here before. Some of you are maybe your newer visitors. Maybe you've attended on and off through the years. Many of you are members of this church. Many of you are professed born-again believers. But I'm asking you today, have you had an encounter with the risen Savior? And more so, Paul saw, and he fell, and he heard. You remember what he did last? He responded. And dear friend, you can see Jesus, and you can even be humbled to some extent and, 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 and you can uh, even hear his words and still not make a choice to respond in obedience and in faith. Two verses I'd like to share with you before we close. John chapter 5 and verse 25. Verily I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who is the dead? Everybody. Everybody. Without the Spirit of God living and dwelling in you, we are all dead without Christ. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live those that respond shall live acts 26 18 this was the purpose of paul and his ministry was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of satan unto god that what that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me sanctified by faith Friend, you might be here today and you might think that you are on the road to heaven. And, and I pray that you are. It's my sincere prayer that everybody in here knows without a shadow of a doubt that they have been saved, they've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and they're on their way to heaven. But the truth is what statistics tell us is that there are many in our churches and there may even be some here today that think they're on the road but they're on the wrong road. There's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And I want to tell you that the only way is through Jesus Christ. He said so himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There are some that try to come in the back door. The Bible says the same are thieves and robbers. But if you will come by Jesus... If you will come through faith and trust in him, 
Then Jesus says, those that have called upon him, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. Would you stand with me here this morning? Would you bow your heads with me here today? Would you just consider your own heart, your own life today, friend? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? I know you know who he is. I know you've heard of him. Maybe you've heard of him all of your, there was a time in my life I had heard the gospel preached for 30 years and yet I was as lost as a ball in tall weeds on my way to hell. And you know what? The Lord came to me and pointed that out to me. He said, son, you're on your way to hell right now. If that's not bad enough, you're going to take your friends with you or your family with you. Friend, I don't want anybody to end up in this place called hell and neither does, does Jesus. That's why he gave his life for you. That's why he paid the penalty that you owe. And all you have to do is receive it by faith and say, Lord, I, I do believe that you're the son of God. I do trust in you. And Lord, not only do I know who you are, but through your word, I'm beginning to realize who I am. I'm a lost hellbound sinner. And I need to be saved. Any sin that I've committed is a sin against you, an offense against you. And Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. And because I'm sorry for the things that I've done, I'm going to repent, which means I'm going to stop the sin that I've been engaged in and I'm going to turn to you and trust you to be my Savior all the days of my life. Friend, if you would do that sincerely from your heart, if you'd open that door and allow him in, Jesus would come in and he'll make you a brand new creature just like he did Saul. Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit today that you would work the work of salvation, the work of regeneration in the hearts of any loss that might be in our presence today, Lord, that you'd gloriously save them, that your mercy and grace, uh, Lord, would not only come to them, but they would uh, receive it by faith and and. Um, Father, I pray also for, the, for the, those that are already walking with you today that, that are trusting in you, Lord. I pray that you would encourage us through uh, this passage and, and the life of, of not only Saul but Ananias that it's important, Father, that we are obedient to your voice, that we listen for your voice, and that when you send us somewhere uh, to, to help somebody, to share the gospel, Lord, that we would get up and go. Help us to repent of idleness, uh, Lord, and, and laziness that we have and, and just to trust in you. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name.